Oh, what a beautiful day outside it is today. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little distracted in a good way. Uh, got to lead somebody to the Lord during the meet and greet time. <laughs> Amen. Never had that one happen, but I love it. I love it. And I was told by Kelly there was some kind of announcement that she was making today. What I miss? Uh, I don't. Oh, I'm, I'm a grandpa. Oh, oh. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I knew before all y'all. Um, <laughs> Moses rises again. Moses rises again in our sermon title today. Last week it was the rise and fall of Moses as we saw him try to do the right thing and ended up being banished and in the wilderness. I'm gonna start a little bit differently. I'm gonna start in Acts chapter seven. Acts chapter seven is known as the Sermon of Stephen, the first martyr of the church who was killed for his faith, preached a sermon there where he outlined the children of Israel's and the nation of Israel's uh, salvation story, brought it all the way to Jesus, of course, there towards the end. But in that, we see some insights about Moses' life that we don't find in the book of Exodus. And I love it. Acts chapter 7, beginning in verse 17. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for what you've already done today. You're a good God. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Savior. Have your way right now and teach us Teach us what you want us to learn in Jesus' name, amen. Verse 17, as the time drew near when God would fulfill his promise. It's the year of the promise. Get rid of that, they're reading all of it, get rid of it. Not there yet. As the time drew near when God would fulfill his promise, I just need to pause right there and remind you that he is a promise-keeping kind of God. Stephen is sharing this and says, as the time drew near when God would fulfill his promise, there were some people that didn't know that God was about to fulfill his promise, that the time was drawing near. Moses didn't know. The Israelites didn't know. Egypt certainly didn't know what was about to happen. Nevertheless, the, tri the time was drawing near when God would fulfill his promise. We started out this year with writing down promises we felt God had given us. And I want to begin today with reminding you that it's my expectation, it's my faith it says this is the year where testimonies will come in fast sequence that God has kept his promise, that what I've been praying for for years has finally happened. Oh, it's coming. It's going to happen. So make ready and warm your vocal cords up and get ready to shout. As the time drew near, well, friends, I believe with all of my heart 
that God's given us an insight that the time is drawing near in when he will fulfill his promise. Let's read on in Acts chapter 7 with that in mind. Verse 17, as the time drew near when God would fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. But then a new king came to the throne of Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. The king exploited our people and oppressed them, forcing parents to abandon their, first, their newborn babies so they would die. Aren't you thankful of the testimony of not abandonment today, but adoption? Verse 20, at that time, Moses was born a beautiful child in God's eyes. His probably looked a lot like my future grandbaby. Anyway, uh, his, <laughs> his parents cared for him at home for three months. When they had to abandon him, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own son. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action. So he was powerful in two things. What were they? They're right there. In what? Speech and action. That's important later. One day when Moses was 40 years old, man, one foot in the grave there, was he? 40 years old. When you say it that way, it feels more old than it actually is. I have yet to experience that. When he was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. He saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite, so Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. Here's an important piece of this story that sometimes is overlooked is that we think that the burning bush experience for Moses was this aha moment that God chose him to deliver the people out of Egypt. But if we read this at its face value, then we read that Moses knew that that was his assignment before the burning bush. It says here, he assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that tells us that he already had an unction about it. Can I tell you that there are many times that God places in you what he's calling you to, but it takes everybody else to catch up a little while. And so we find him frustrated because they didn't recognize the call that God had placed upon his life. Verse 26, the next day, he visited them again and saw two men fighting. He tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, you are brothers. Why are you fighting each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? He asked, are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard that, he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. There, his two sons were born. Forty years later. So it doesn't take common core math to come up with this answer. 40 plus 40 is what? So Moses actually walked into his calling at 80. Whoo! So don't tell me 
that it's too late for you. Because I'll point at this all day long. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. They lived longer back then. No, they didn't. This was long past that. Forty years later, in the desert of Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. He went in to take a closer look. The voice of the Lord called out to him, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses shook with terror and did not dare to look. Forty years later, as Moses is walking in the wilderness, doing the job of a shepherd, trying his very best to make ends meet, probably feeling like he had been forgotten by God. I don't know if you've ever waited 40 years for anything, but 40 years before the burning bush, he thought his moment had arrived and he was going to lead Israel out of Egypt. Didn't happen. So picture this for a moment. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's caring for the animals. It's a daily routine. And in his routine, he notices something out of the ordinary. And he's amazed. You know, I want to see God disrupt my routine. My son is a great routine type of guy. I mean, I'm telling you, you can start and stop your, your clock on his routines. Churches sometimes get stuck in routine. I wanna, I wanna see God disrupt things from time to time and truly show and exemplify to us that he is in control. And not only is he in control, but he might do something just out of the ordinary enough to make us go, wait a minute, that's pretty amazing. And not only, wait a minute, that's pretty amazing, but we start leaning in to hear the voice of the Lord that calls out, and the Lord said to him, verse 33, take off your sandals for this, for you are standing on holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groans and have come to rescue them. Now go, for I am sending you back to Egypt. So God sent back the same man his people had previously rejected when they demanded who made you ruler and judge over us. That's important, friends. God sent back the same man, but now the time was right. Come on, catch it. Moses was still Moses, but now God had perfected the timing of the moment. You see, because while God was working on Moses, he also had to be working on the Egyptians. He had to be working on Pharaoh. He had to be working on the Israelites. See, God is God over all of it, not just your little corner of reality. And sometimes we feel we may be ready to walk in the promise, but God is still working things out on the other side of the world that we may not yet know. So he sent back the same man, and then the, continuing on, through the angel who appeared to him in the burning bush, God sent Moses to be their ruler and savior. 
And by means of many wonders and miraculous signs, he led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea and through the wilderness for 40 years. Something that I have been amazed. Well, I I breezed through that, but I want to make sure you get it. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness, in in, uh, Midian, and then 40 years as the ruler of Egypt. So here again, don't tell me that God's done with you until God's done with you, amen? In our first service, we had a baby dedication, and I said, if any family members would like to come up and join and stand here, they're welcome to come. So nobody really moved quickly, and then uh, a a couple of minutes went by, and and I saw great-grandpa making his way. And as he made his way, he was talking to me the whole time. I'm Steve, and I'm this, and I'm that. My daddy was a preacher for 63 years. He got up here. So listen, don't tell me you don't have the strength to do something when God calls you to do something. Because all them young bucks stayed in the seat. This joker got up. He was coming. He came all the way up. It was awesome. I don't know what that has to do with that. Well, yeah, it has something to do with it. That's pretty good. Moses goes back to Egypt. Let's unpack the story in Exodus and see what the note sheets have to say. If you're taking notes, number one, the call to go. Exodus chapter three, verse 10. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. The encounter with the burning bush was threefold. He was amazed, and then he was engaged and surrendered. He noticed something out of the ordinary. God got his attention, and then God spoke. And he began to be engaged in a conversation with the Lord of heaven and earth. And following that conversation, he surrendered to what God wanted to do. That should be the process for our lives, that we first expect an encounter with God Almighty, and then we listen to what he actually wants to speak into our lives. And then finally, and this is the part that so many people miss, is we surrender to it. If he's speaking to us, then we've got to have an attitude of surrender. The call to go. Secondly, now go. God had heard and had come down to intervene. Yet in all of that, he needed, he wanted, he was searching for a vessel for which to move. Talk about the right place at the right time. Anyone in their right mind could have looked at Moses' situation and said, well, he is not in the right place and it must not be the right time because it's 40 years too late. He's in the wilderness, literally. He's a country away from Egypt. It 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 would beg to question that certainly somebody in Egypt should be the right person because they're already there. And the right time could have been that very moment, but Moses found himself called of God. But he was prepared. We've talked about it before, that he was prepared in Egypt to do what he was going to have to do in front of Pharaoh, but he was prepared in Midian for the wilderness that he would have to wander through. So when there's two million Israelites groaning and complaining about having to walk around, Moses has done that for 40 years 
and he can relate to their situation. It's the same concept and it's the same reality that Jesus stepped out of heaven to put on flesh so we didn't feel like he couldn't relate to our situation. So God was going to use Moses because Moses had been there. He related to it. He had been trained and ready for it. In verse 11 through 12, we see every excuse excused. Think of the conversation that happened at the burning bush beginning in verse 11. God's calling Moses and it says, Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? You see, Moses got it wrong and God corrected him. God answered, I will be with you. It ain't about you, Moses. It's about what I can do through you. Every time we make it about us, we get sideways. We get distracted. Pride creeps in. It never is about us. It is always what God can do in us and through us. It's for his glory alone. As soon as we all accept that we have assignments that we are called to walk in, for his glory, then it is his good pleasure to use us for the sake of the kingdom. Amen? God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Don't overlook the fact that he saw the burning bush, but only the, the burning bush was this teensy, tiny little miracle compared to what he was going to see. Think about it. He saw the bush burning and yet not burned up, and, it, and he was curious about it. He was amazed about it, yet that very mountain where he saw that teeny, tiny little bush, he was going to be in the glory cloud of God for all of Israel to see. Did you know that archaeologists and, and, his, and, uh, archaeologists and geological studies have been done where they think they found this mountain? And they feel like they found this mountain because when you see it from a distance, the whole top of it is charred because that's where the glory of God rested. Verse 13, but Moses protested again. <laughs> okay, Moses. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. I don't know about you, but can I just put on humanity for a minute? Hey, what's your name? I am. What? Every God in those days had a name attached to it. And every God in those days had a name attached to it that meant something. Because this name meant sun god, and this name meant moon god, and this name meant tree god and water god, and all these, and the gods of Egypt all had these things attached to him that declared their identity, fertility god, god of war, all of these things. But you know what? The god of it all wasn't going to stoop to a name like that. I am is adequate because it is exponentially uncontainable. Right? Well, what I... I don't, I don't need to give you a name because I don't have a name that you understand. I 
And that's why we can declare he is. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say to this to the people, I am has sent me to you. Number two, God gave Moses the tools to act. Chapter three, verse 15, that we've just kind of adding to that is the God of it all. As he said, the I am, he continued on. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. You see, what God did in that moment is he gave him a name that could not be contained, but then he said, I'm not just some far off God that you can never have a relationship with. I knew Abraham, covenanted with him. I'm the God of Isaac, I'm the God of Jacob, and I am also the God of Israel. I am the God of my people. You see, what was happening in this conversation was God wanted Moses to know that I am a God who wants to have interaction and relationship with you. I care enough to find you on the backside of nowhere and burn a little bush for you to notice. And by the way, this miracle's nothing compared to what you're going to see, but this is something that when you see it, it'll build your faith. Can I tell you something? To encounter the God who is a relational God, that can take your faith and start with something small and grow it to believe him for something big. I personally am walking this out in my pastoral journey that God has shown me. See, I told you I'd do that. I told you I'd do that. All you're supposed to do is say it and then watch me do it. That's your job, Andrew. Would you just say it and trust me with the details of it? And that's my responsibility is just to say it and watch him do it. And can I tell you, my faith has grown and grown and grown and grown. And God wants to grow your faith today. I'm preaching. And I'm having fun. I don't care. The tools to act. Well, the first tool to act was the God of. It was the name of God. The second tool was the staff of Moses. I could preach a whole message about what's in your hand when God asked him, what is in your hand? What has he already given you? Moses protested again, what if they don't believe me? Then the Lord asked, what is in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses said. I can picture Moses saying it this way, shepherd's staff, this stupid thing. I have to carry this around every day, these stupid animals that get out, I have to hit them over the head to get them back in line. It was a tool of his trade, but it was going to become a tool for the kingdom. Some of us feel like we don't have anything to offer can I tell you that God knows how you're gifted and he's given you those gifts and he can use them for his glory? There have been men in our church that have kind of risen to the occasion of being a special workforce around here. Can I just tell you that this pastor is thankful for men that know how to do HVAC here at the church? <laughs> the staff of Moses. 
He walked through these miracles that he gave him, but the third and final tool that he gave him was the voice of Aaron, the voice of Aaron. You know, I read somewhere that Moses was gifted in speech and action. Hmm, let me see here. Maybe, maybe this will be an easy one for, for Moses. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been. And I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Okay. The Bible says that all of Scripture is good for reproof, teaching, and rebuke. We believe that the Scriptures are inerrant and there's no confrontation, there's no, uh, there's no errors. I believe that. So if Stephen in Acts 7 says he was strong and trained in speech and action, and Moses all the way back in Exodus is saying, God, I can't speak. I don't have that training, that gifting, that skill set. And then God said, who makes a person's mouth? <laughs> who decides whether people speak or don't speak? Hear or don't hear, see or don't see. Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. <laughs> At this point, I'm like nervous for Moses. Because if I was reading this for the first time, I'd, oh, well, and God smote Moses. Okay, next page. And he chose someone else. I mean, Moses, bro. Come on. He got real comfortable with that bush real fast. There was a voice of God, and the Scripture says he was terror, terrified and didn't come close. But yeah, hey, listen, I, I told you once I don't want to speak. Can you just pick somebody else, you know? I mean, picture it. He's talking to a burning bush and a voice of God. I imagine a voice of God was not this little eensy-weensy thing, right? We understand it was a still, small voice in the story of Elijah, but even a still, small voice that comes from on high is going to be something that's intimidating. Are you with me? So I, I, I'm expecting the bush to, I told you. And then the Lord became angry with Moses. Up oh, here it is. All right. He said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well and look, he's on his way to meet you. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with the both of you as you speak and I will instruct you both on what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people and he will be your mouthpiece and, I will, and you will stand in the place of God for him telling him what to say and take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have showed you. So here we need to see what I would call is one of the greatest examples of the mercy of God. Because I'm a parent and if this is an interaction, I'm like, boy, I have done told you. You feel me? You're a grown person now. Call the doctor yourself or get your mom to. Because <laughs> I don't call the doctors and make appointments anyway. Kelly always, anyway. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's those memes out there. Yeah, my mom called and said I was here for a like, 30-year-old. Anyway. 
But, but something is happening here because what we see later in Moses' life is, yes, Aaron was the spokesperson, but something happened in the middle of the plagues that he didn't send Aaron to say it anymore. He said, I got it. Hey, you want me to tell him? No, I tell him. Pharaoh, well, what, doesn't he supposed to speak for you? No, 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 I got it. So I wanna encourage you in this, that God has great mercy and has great patience with us, but if we just do it his way the first time around, we may find and experience an even more incredible blessing. Amen? Thirdly and finally, the pedigree to succeed. Not to get into the details, I'm running out of time. But there were three marks that Moses experienced, the mark of power, the mark of covenant, and the mark of unity. The mark of power was the staff that he carried with him, the very presence of God that he carried. The mark of covenant was this passage in Scripture where he was traveling and on his way, and the Bible tells us that the Lord visited him and was going to actually strike him down because he had not circumcised his two sons. Why is that important? Well, it's important because that is the one thing that God gave Abraham, that this is the marker of the covenant for your sons and for my people. And Moses had been in Midian long enough that his worship became slack. You with me? His worship became slack. And now he found himself in a position where they had to quickly carry out this circumcision ritual, this, this uh, act of circumcision to be back in good standing with the covenant of God. Finally, the mark of unity. He was on his way back. Aaron met him. And now the same Israelites that had rejected him and said that he is not their judge now not only accepted him. In verse 31, the people of Israel were convinced the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron and they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery. They bowed down, they bowed down and worshiped. Moses had this journey of rising and falling but God had selected him to rise again because God was gonna get his plan accomplished. Next week, the sermon title is The Fall of Pharaoh. Pharaoh falls. It's gonna be fun. We're gonna make fun of Pharaoh next week, the whole week. And it's gonna be awesome. I'd like to encourage you, if you haven't already been a part of our family night ministry, it happens on Wednesday evening Starting at seven o'clock, the ministry happens, but at six, we have dinner together. Up here are four tables. I'm gonna ask my leaders to come and go ahead and position themselves. Uh, to my left, we have James, which is a class uh, taught by Pastor Victor. I'd like for you to come up and sign up for that in just a moment when I dismiss. And then we have here, Pastor Mike and Melissa Teeter are teaching a class called You'll get through this, and then we also have Pastor Angel, our worship leader, is going to be teaching here um, Jesus in the Old Testament, not old Jesus in the Testament. And then we also have uh, Grace and Ben are kicking off, come on, man. Grace and Ben are kicking off a brand new class for our young marrieds that starts in March. So this one will start in March. 
So if you're young marrieds and you think you might be young married, if you go up there and they kind of help you move to another table, then, you know, that, that question has been answered. And uh, so bottom line, sign up for a class. There is a fifth option that I will be teaching in here called Historical Egypt and Resurrected Egypt. And there's no signups for that. We'll just be in this room together. But we're trying to get a good idea on how many will be in each class so we kind of know which classroom to give you. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. And then you could come and sign up. And finally, uh, women, sign up for the uh, Revive. Yep, I almost said Rise. The Revive Conference at the pretty green wall out there. And uh, plug in for that. Bow your heads with me. Uh, Thank you so much, Lord, for who you are and what you've done in our lives. I pray that we would be encouraged and really just expect great things this year. Give us, Lord, a joy uh, that's unspeakable and full of your glory, a peace that passes understanding. And may we go in your grace and may your favor rest upon us this day. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.